You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drugmeyer. And on today's show, lucky enough to be joined by John Kegley coming, calling from somewhere in the Midwest. But before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. We got our start doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, covering the Chargers over six years ago. Now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys. Well, I think we have a very, very fun show to get into today. I hope everyone had a good 4th of July weekend. If you hear any fireworks in the background, we're just going to have to roll with it today. You know, we have some people out there still celebrating, but we wanted to get you guys this Monday show, you know, when a lot of shows are taking off. Wanted you to have some good Chargers content to come back to and do we ever. But we do have to start the show on something a little bit more somber, but kind of a cool story that we have going on. So, David, I mean, I definitely think... It's worth dedicating this show today we have to Bolted Rich. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, a, a listener of ours named Bolted Fryer reached out to me uh, through DM and just asked if I could get his friend Bolted Rich uh, some more followers. And unfortunately, Bolted Rich has a terminal illness. And so, of course, I agreed. I mean, I sent out a tweet. I wasn't really expecting, you know, a big response, but it really resonated with the Charger fans. And I mean, he had five followers last night. As of the time we're recording this right now, he has 575 followers, and that is absolutely incredible. Charger fans, if you're listening to this and you follow Bolted Rich, give yourself a pat on the back, a round of applause, because that type of response is absolutely incredible. It is, and I think, you know, for a situation like this, I mean, obviously the toughest thing, toughest news anyone could ever get, right? And for everyone out there saying there's no Chargers fans to see you guys, you know, even just the following that we have kind of support this dude. Like, I mean, it really is a, a touching thing and it definitely gave me some goosebumps. So you can find him at Bolted Rich on Twitter. And I mean, just, you know, send him some well wishes, right? Tell him you're here for him. Tell him that you're excited for the Chargers season and all of that. But definitely worth a shout out on today's show for sure. But we do have a lot to get into because now John Kegley is back with us. Very, very excited about that. I got my active serviceman. I got my veteran. I'm the luckiest boy in the world right now. But he has finally seen all of the Chargers draft picks. So we're going to get into the guys he liked, the guys he didn't like, and also what he thought about the draft class as a whole now that he's gotten to break it down a little further. And then to wrap up the show today, we wanted to get into the Chargers' 10 most important players from Daniel Popper. So in the second segment, we'll go 10 through 6. And then we'll finish it up with the most important player and go five through one in the final segment. I mean, I think there's a lot of great conversation to be had there. And obviously, some offensive linemen find themselves as some of the most important pieces for this team. And I don't think there's any surprise on who number one is. But let's go ahead and get into it. John Kegley calling into the show today. John, finally, after slouching this whole time, I mean, barely had anything going on. You finally found a chance to watch all of these draft prospects that are now Chargers, right? So the last time we talked, you would watch Josh Palmer, but that was really the only one that you would felt comfortable, you know, talking about. You hadn't really seen a lot of the other guys yet to the extent that you had, you know, to give a grade on it or to give your evaluation on it. But 
Now that you have watched the other guys, you know, from Trey McKitty all the way to the end with guys like Larry Roundtree and Mark Webb, who were some of the guys you liked from the Chargers draft class in 2021? I'd have to go for my favorite one would be Nick Neiman, who uh, just had a nose for the ball, really good at tackling. I'd say his pass coverage wasn't too bad. It's like slightly, slightly above average. Didn't like, see a lot I love of how that. he had a nose for the ball, covering the covering the hole, making a tackle. I loved it. I think he's someone that could probably develop into your next Denzel Perryman, but less injuries maybe. Not not as hard of a hitter, but still a good tackler. And then I think uh, I want to make sure I pronounce this name right. Is it is it Hymas right? It's Brendan Hymas yep. right? Okay, yeah, Brendan Hymas I think is going to be your really good depth piece to offensive line. I think he does a really good job with run blocking and zone blocking, pass blocking. He's he gives up some space, but I think he's still solid with as far as footwork goes. But he's a developmental piece. I think a lot of these guys are your experimental project type guys that you develop on your own. But a lot of them have a, have a big upside. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're right about that. I, I mean, a, a lot of pieces, especially on the def- defensive side, that I think uh, that Brandon Staley can definitely work with. But now that you've talked about some of the, the picks that you liked, which one of these picks is going to get the John Kegley evil eye uh, until uh, he finishes his time with the Chargers? Which guy did you not like the most? I would have to say Mark Webb. Mark Webb did not impress me at all as far as being a DB goes, but I think he could be a decent special teamer or a guy in the box, whether they decide to use him like that or not. I don't know, but Mark Webb really, if he's a safety on this team, he's not going to last a long time at all. And then Chris Rump, I feel like he's a real project just because of how small he is. I think he needs a, he needs more weight. He seems really good off the, when it comes to stopping the run. Pass rush-wise, I thought it was pretty weak. But like I said, a lot of these guys look like they're projects, and I think his upside is, looks really good, but he's got a lot to do. He's probably the biggest project out of this draft class. I mean, I have the opposite takeaway. I'm more worried about him against the run than I am as far as him, you know, being a situational pass rusher just because he can do it, you know, standing up. You've seen him blitz a lot of different gaps and things like that. Holding up at the point of attack when you're that size, even though he is super slippery, slips a lot of blocks, has made some plays in the backfield. Doing that on a consistent basis is really tough. But, John, now, you know, we don't really know how the draft class is going to turn out, and we won't know that for several years potentially, but... Now you have the best judgment of what you think of the Chargers' overall draft class. So do you think the Chargers did well in the 2021 draft? I would say they definitely did well. Um, like I said, it's a lot of projects and a lot of guys, a lot of upside. I would give like four of the picks like really good ratings in my mind, especially the first two. <clears throat> especially the first two, Slater and Asante Samuel Jr. I love a lot. I'm going to give this probably a B-plus. I think the one thing that bothers me the most is that it's just a bunch of projects that you have. So are they going to be instant success? No. And right now we, <clears throat> right now we kind of need that instant success before guys like Keenan Allen and those types of guys need. So it, the thing that gets, keeps it from being an A is just a lot of projects, but I think they did really good on picking up guys, a lot of needs filled. Yeah. And I think part of that reason is just because the third round is probably borderline where you find guys that you think can play a role instantaneously, right? Depending on the position. And they use those picks on Josh Palmer, a guy who doesn't have a very clear shot to getting playing time at receiver, even though I do think he'll get some. And Trey McKitty, who is, like you said, a project. But I think, David, 
we came away thinking very similarly, I think, just because, yeah, some of these guys, you know, as Tom Telesco put it, are down-the-road starters as he thinks of it, you know, and this was a very brain and stably influenced class, and I think that's part of the reason we liked it so much. But obviously, you know, you still have some big questions, and you have a couple of guys that probably will have to fill some roles early on in Rashawn Slater and Asante Samuel Jr., yeah, you're expecting big things, and I think a lot of expectations on those two guys to come in and really perform right away. But, I mean, I, I look at the class as a whole. I, I like most of what they did, but I just think they addressed a position a little too late, like at the safety position. I would have loved to seen them take a safety a lot sooner. And also, I don't like the fact that they didn't take a defensive lineman. I just think they should have added another body to that group. But besides those two comments... I really like the draft class, and I think it has potential to really provide quality depth for the next several years. Well, and it's fine to get developmental guys, right? But where it gets exposed a little bit is if injuries happen. Now, potentially, Mark Webb's on the field as a seventh-round pick, playing against the best football players on the planet, right? Or Chris Rump somehow gets into a role where he becomes very important and is now, you know, fighting on the edge with guys who are, you know, 320 pounds and pretty damn quick. So, I mean... That's, I think, where draft picks can get exposed. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have to use some of these guys till next year, obviously that's great, and you'd love to season them a little bit, let them work on special teams, but you're not always afforded that. So I think that's sometimes where things can get tricky as far as evaluating a draft class, you know, when these guys have to get on the field. But if they can't get on the field, you know, Mark Webb's, you know, one of the backup safeties right now. There's only two of them. There's guys that are in positions where they might have to get called upon. But we do have two more segments to get into, and I do think that, I mean, we are all pretty positive about the draft, even John Kegley, which is a great sign. But we have to get into the most important players on the Chargers, so we're going to get into the top 10 and go 10 through 6 coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked on Chargers podcast is BetOnline.ag. Betting online is so much fun, guys, when you bet on sports. I mean, you can pretty much take any kind of sport, even if it's something you're not really into, and put some money down on it, and fireworks happen just like that because you are now glued to the TV, even if it's badminton or cornhole that you're watching, you know, on ESPN, the Ocho or something. But with bet online, you can bet on everything, right? You can bet on UFC. We have a big Conor McGregor fight coming up this weekend. You can bet on the Euros that are happening right now and getting super crazy. We also have baseball going. The finals are about to start. You have the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, this is the best time right now to bet on sports, guys. So make sure you get on the action with the only place that we trust and the place that's going to give you all of the best odds, betonline.ag. And right now, you can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, for some free money to help you guys win big at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, well, now it's time to get into the 10 most important players to the Chargers' success from Daniel Popper, and this has, you know, been out for a few days now, so I really wanted to get into it. It came out at the end of last week, but there's a ton of really important players on the Chargers whose injuries or absence could really, really affect how their season goes. And last time, you know, we did 20 through 11, talked about guys like Limbaugh Joseph, Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil were both in there, just maybe not in the order that you expected. And we had an offensive lineman in Matt Filer there too, just because of how important he was. But now we're getting into the top 10, getting into the nitty gritty, and the decisions become a little bit harder, especially for these spots hovering around the top 10, because we talked about it before. There's only 22 starting spots, right? And you're doing 20 players. 
So most of the guys that are in action are going to be mentioned somewhere on this list and ranked. But number 10, David, we get off to a hot start because Austin Eckler, obviously the multi-talented running back, comes in for Popper at number 10. Yeah, I mean, I think Austin Eckler absolutely has to be on this list because you saw how much of an impact his absence had when he was not on the field. When he hurt his hamstring early in the season, I mean, the Chargers were running the ball fairly well. I believe it was about 4.29 yards per carry, according to Daniel Popper's uh, article here. And afterwards, 3.8, and they finished ranked 30th in the league. So their rushing attack was very, very bad. And for Austin Eckler, I mean, going into this season, seeing Joe Lombardi as the offensive coordinator and and seeing what Alvin Kamara has done and also having Joe Lombardi already say that Austin Eckler has some of the same qualities as Alvin Kamara, that's got to be really exciting for him because Alvin Kamara has been one of the most productive all-world type running backs in the NFL for the last four or five seasons. I mean, he's been incredible. And you have really love to see what Austin Eckler is going to be able to do in that role. We already know he's an incredible pass catcher. Also want to see him run through some better holes. I think an offensive line that's much better this year is going to help with that. But Austin Eckler is very, very important as a key safety valve for Justin Herbert and this offense. Well, I think he just brings something that none of the other running backs bring, right? I mean, if you lose Joshua Kelly, for example, let's say all four of the guys, Justin Jackson, Larry Roundtree the third, all make the roster. Larry Roundtree can fill some of those capabilities, right? Same with Justin Jackson. It's not the same, but none of those guys can do what Austin Eckler can do. So even if he doesn't end up being the you know best pure rusher this year, even though he definitely has a chance to be, his skill set would be the most missed out of any of the running backs. And I think being top 10 on the team as far as importance at the running back position is something that's very commendable. But let's get to the next one here because that's Michael Davis, who is now the number one corner for the Chargers, John, but he's actually not the number one corner that shows up on this list. But either way, super important. We, if any of the corners go down, you're talking about guys like potentially Tavon Campbell and Brandon Faison taking over. So I think that Michael Davis is very important. And I think the Chargers need Michael Davis to get really good production out of the corners. I think they're going to need play good play from a couple of those guys. And I think Michael Davis might be the most important just because if his physical skill set everything comes together for. I don't know if they have another guy like that. Well, he's he's basically developed into a guy that could probably cover your fastest receiver with how fast he is. And like we mentioned when we first started talking about him like years ago, turn your head around, you could be a decent player. Well, he's turned into that and he's earned the number one role. But I think the reason why he's nine and not the number one guy as far as corners goes because he only plays the corner position on the outside. Whereas Chris Harris Jr., who's number six, will play two, can play on the inside as well. So I think that's why you miss. You have a guy that can play two slots and one guy that can play one. But Michael Davis definitely has to be in your top ten. We've already seen what happens when you miss at least one corner on this team the past few years. It, everything starts to tear apart. I mean, the game-winning touchdown was given up by a backup corner last year against the Broncos then every single year even Michael Davis was a rookie he was the back he was the backup guy and he was struggling to get his head around and we saw what happened when our starting corners were going down every single year it's been a problem so your corners have to be on the field this whole season when John gave it away Chris Harris Jr. comes in at number six but I actually like that John because it gives us a chance to talk about both these guys and we did on one of the only shows you've really been able to be on right we did a top five most important defender show And I think that's something that 
you had that we didn't, right? We had Michael Davis as one of the most important. You had Chris Harris Jr. Is that just because he can play in the slot? And also just, you know, last year, as Daniel Popper puts it, he wasn't healthy. You weren't getting 100% of him even when he was on the field. How important do you think it is for him to stay on the field and be, you know, at 100% for a guy that we were super excited when they brought him on? Well, he's basically one of your leaders on defense as well. He can play on the inside. He can play on the outside. So that's two positions you have. If someone gets hurt, he can switch over if you need it to be done. If the guy who's making the most damage is playing on the inside from the slot, guess what? Chris Harris can go take over that. Can Michael Davis go do that? Probably not. Maybe he could. You haven't seen it yet. But as of right now, he hasn't shown anything that he could. He's been an outside corner who does really good. Chris Harris Jr. plays both of them. He's a leader and plays two positions. And he's a guy who's been in the league for a long time. So he knows some stuff and can teach some stuff as well and can recognize things on the field. If he sees a mix-up in the game plan from the opposing team, he can call that out. Can Michael Davis do that yet? Probably not. He's still working on his own techniques and stuff before he can work on the mental side. And it's just a lot different for someone who's inside, right? I mean, we saw Jalen Ramsey line up a lot inside last year at corner, even though he had been an outside corner. But you would think if that role is going to someone else, and Brandon Staley's defense is probably, you know, a Derwin James lining up in the slot, a Nazir Adderley lining up in the slot, pushing Chris Harris Jr. out there. But yes, I mean, he worked in this defense, in Vic Fangio's defense with the Denver Broncos in 2019 with Brandon Staley. So there's definitely some important familiarity there, as Daniel Popper points out. But let's go back to number eight on the list, because this is a player everyone's pretty familiar with. Maybe a guy that seems a little low on this list, David. I mean, I'll see how you feel about it. But Keenan Allen comes in at number eight, and he's basically... What I took away from this and what I thought was most interesting here, because Keenan Allen's obviously super important, but he's one of, you know, three receivers on the field at one time, right? So I think that plays in a tiny bit, but I did like what they were saying about, you know, now Keenan Allen has a chance to take his game to the next level because there's going to be a lot of option routes in this new Saints light offense that the Chargers are going to be running, which for guys like Keenan Allen he can explore, he can, you know, kind of mess around, and if something's not there, he doesn't have the right leverage or whatever, he can experiment and do some different things. And as Daniel Popper puts it in here, obviously his connectivity with Justin Herbert is going to be a huge part of that. But he's also said there's some players that have to follow the rules. Keenan Allen's a player that doesn't have to. Yeah, and Joe Lombardi, when talking about his offense, said there's going to be rules playmakers and there's going to be guidelines playmakers. So the rules playmakers, they have to follow the exact rules of the route and there's no deviating whatsoever. For a guy like Keenan Allen, who has the craftiness, who has the experience, who has the incredible get-off and the precision route running, he can have some more creativity. So he has more of the guidelines on that so he he can use what what makes him so special to get open and create more separation because of that experience that he has in the nfl and how much success that he's had so it's going to be really fun to watch what keenan allen's going to be able to do in an offense that has so many different personnel groupings but also has a lot of different routes for him to try to exploit and get open a lot for justin herbert yeah, and I do think he's a little bit low on here, right? I mean, I'm, it's nitpicking, and, like, I'm not totally pushing I back. think he is. Yeah, I mean, he gives a chance for your offense, you know, to be something really, really good. And, and Popper said that. Like, he could be the, you know, centerpiece of the Chargers having an elite offense. I just find it hard to believe they're going to have an elite offense without him. Like, they could, you know, potentially in some bizarre way. But, obviously, Keenan Allen is going to be so important. And their connection, Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen's connection, is going to be so important. 
And we know he hasn't even really always been put in the best spots to make some big plays, which he could have in this new scheme. So I think he could Real be quick. up a little bit higher, but I'm not going to argue with an offensive lineman, you know, and Brian Belaga coming in one spot ahead of him at number seven. And I don't even think we really need to talk about this one, guys, just because we saw last year by how much time he missed, how important he was to this offensive line. I mean, it totally fell apart after, you know, whenever he wasn't in there for the most part. And, you know, when he was in there, he still played well. So I think that's the encouraging part, right? It's not like he was in there playing and he was obviously, you know, 60% and he was really costing the offensive line. When he was in there, he wasn't really the problem with the Chargers offensive line. And playing around 38% of the snaps like he did last year would be disastrous because then you have to start shuffling the offensive line. And who's behind you matters, right? So the difference between Brian Bulaga and Trey Pipkins right, is going to be a bigger difference potentially, you know, than Mike Williams and Josh Palmer. So I just think that that's another important part of the conversation when you're ranking players by their importance. But no surprise there. Brian Bulag comes in at seven. Chris Harris Jr. comes in at six. But we still have five spots remaining. So we're going to talk about who Daniel Popper thinks are the five most important players to the Chargers 2021 success coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the best protein bar in the world is Built Bars. And I've had arguments even with my friends now at this point, like I try to tell them about Built Bar. Sometimes they don't believe me. Then they try it. Then they see that they have nine different flavors to choose from. Then they find out that they're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. And all of a sudden, they're big Built Bar fans. But right now, there's a limited time flavor that we got that is absolutely delicious. And it's the Grasshopper Cookie Built Bar. It's kind of like a thin mint or something like that. Chocolate mint it is delicious i only got to have a couple because my fiance took most of them but of the ones i had it's been one of my favorites right and you can still go back and get all the other kinds the cookies and cream you can get the salted caramel you can get the german chocolate they still have all the same great flavors but right now i told you guys limited time flavors you always have to check them out at built.com and most of the protein bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein calories that are 130 to 180 calories and around 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of net carbs. So whatever diet you're doing, Built Bars will fit into it. And right now we can even save you guys some money. You can go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15, all caps, one word for 15% off at Built.com. I also need to tell you guys about the only place I get any of my auto parts, and that is RockAuto.com. And I am a sworn user of RockAuto.com, and I love it because... I don't know a lot about cars, so one of the things that's most important to me is that every time I've gone to rockauto.com, not only did they have the part that I was looking for, I don't have to go search chain store fronts right and ask people at the counter if they have the part for my car. Nope. I went on there. I was able to easily find what I needed, and I got it delivered right to my house. Didn't even have to leave and got the part for the best price, too. And I always call my stepdad, who's a mechanic, to make sure I'm getting a good price. He always tells me rockauto.com is giving me the lowest price I'm going to find out there, and he can't do any better, so that's how I know it's good. But Rock Auto has everything you need. If you need brake parts, if you need oil, if you need a new carpet, go check out rockauto.com because they're probably going to have it. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write Locked On in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, guys, well, we are down to the top five of Daniel Popper's most important players to the Chargers' success in 2021. Really appreciate Pop, even though he's taking some time off Twitter. 
putting out some good Chargers content. And obviously on a holiday weekend, it was time for a fun discussion. And I think this brings it. But now we're in the top five players, the players who undoubtedly are the most important of the Chargers' success this season. And if you don't already, make sure to go subscribe to Daniel Popper and The Athletic so you can get all of his Chargers content. But now we get to number five, which is a rookie where Sean Slater comes in at number five, John. And I know you were a big fan of the pick, someone that you thought, you know, in an ideal scenario the Chargers would get. But a rookie being a top five most important player to the Chargers' success in 2021. He's going to be a big part of this team because he is the left tackle, a right-handed QB's blindside protector, their best friend. He's going to be really big. If he goes down, there's going to be a lot of problems on that side of the line. He's going to be big. And I'm just going to go ahead and say the fourth guy, which is our center, Corey Lindsley, who is going to be even bigger as well because he's going to be the guy calling plays with Herbert and he's going to be that connection with Herbert with snap calls and everything. And the fact that Popper made Balaga, Slater, and Lindsley all in this top 10 is probably the most respectable thing I'm going to say for Popper's top 10 because without the offensive line, we have nothing. Austin Eckler could go down. But if you have an offensive line, a running back will find a way to make the play happen. If you have an offensive line, Herbert will still make things happen without Eckler. Eckler just makes your offense a lot more dangerous. But this offensive line is going to be the key to this team, as we've seen in previous years. The offensive line, no success. Quarterbacks running for their life, including one that was a baby giraffe when he ran. Phillip Rivers <laughs> did a lot of good things with a bad offensive line. But look what he did when he had a good one. You know, Just imagine what Herbert's going to be with this good one. Yeah, and I think it'll help him, you know, iron out some of those things that we saw him struggle with. You know, he had so many things had to get sped up for him because of the pressure. And unlike Rivers, right, he was able to escape from him and make some miraculous plays out of them, right? If people got into the backfield with Phillip Rivers and just had a straight shot at him, I mean, it was pretty much game over for the most part, right? But now I think the other thing from this I took that was very interesting was just that him making the argument, you know, that the center can be even more important than a left tackle, even though left tackles get paid the most. And I think that is really interesting just because he is the guy helping Justin Herbert with the checks. He is going to do so much for him in that sense and for the guys around him. You can help your, you know, left guard if you're Rashawn Slater and make him better because you're better. The center helps out the entire offensive line and you potentially have the best one in the league. If you lose that, no matter how you feel about Scott Questenberry, that is going to be a huge, huge monumental loss for the Chargers. I think he's going to be really important, and I think he's going to play very well. But, David, no surprise here. We have three guys that we knew were going to get brought up on these lists. And I think that there's no real argument about, you know, if these guys should be in the top three, but maybe where they should be. So, number three, he comes in with Joey Bosa playing edge rusher, not outside linebacker anymore. And Derwin James coming in at number two on this list. And I think I'm glad I'm asking you because you had, I believe, Derwin James above Joey Bosa as far as how important you thought the defenders were for the Chargers. So you think Daniel Popper got it right here, Derwin James two, Joey Bosa three? Yeah, I do. I mean, just because Derwin James is so dynamic, he makes every single player on that defense better because of all the things that he does extremely well. I mean, he gets after the quarterback. He stops the run. He can cover your tight ends. He can cover your top wide receivers. He is just a 
unbelievable defensive back. I mean, if you build a defensive defensive back from the ground up, it looks like Derwin James. And we saw what he is capable of doing in his first season as a rookie, an all-pro just an absolutely an absolutely incredible player, a monster. And I'm not saying Joey Bosa isn't because he absolutely is, and getting after the quarterback is very, very important. But the difference between Derwin James and the next person underneath him is just absolutely gargantuan. It, it, it can't be quantified, I don't think. And yes, Joey Bosa and Uchenna are definitely nowhere close to each other, but I think you feel comfortable, at least in this scheme, that Uchenna is going to be able to get after the quarterback a little bit more effectively than in the schemes that he played in in the past. So I think he got it right. Both these players, nonetheless, are extremely important and crucial to the success of this defense in 2021. I think it's really a kind of 1A, 1B situation, right? I mean, I think you can make the argument for both. And I know John before, I talked about, hey, look back to 2018. Derwin James is healthy the entire season. His rookie year, Joey Bosa was really beat out that year and had to miss a lot of games. They went 12-4. and four. Then the next year, Derwin James misses, you know, pretty much the entire season. When he did come back, wasn't the same. Chargers really struggle the next two years without him. So I definitely can see that. I mean, Derwin James, it's really more like a Derwin James to Mark Webb, right? Or Joey Bosa to Kyler Fackrell or, you know, to Chris Rump, because obviously there's still another edge defender on the other side. But yes, I mean, both of these guys, Derwin James just brings a different energy, right, than Joey Bosa. He leads by example. Derwin James is a, you know, constant communicator, constant lightning rod, and just a big playmaker that's going to really help you force some turnovers, hopefully, in 2021. But number one on the list, no surprise here, John, it's Justin Herbert. And I just think that. There isn't much to be said. I mean, as Daniel Power put it, I think it was his shortest explanation to any one of these was Justin Herbert. That's just kind of the state of the NFL right now. And we just know that, I mean, the season just looks so dramatically different. I mean, we knew that even last year with Tyra Taylor, that it was going to be a grind season, right? The Chargers were going to have to grind it out. If the Chargers don't have Justin Herbert, it's a completely different team. Without a doubt, it is. The quarterback is the guy that touches the ball every single offensive play with the exception of, like, Wildcats and stuff like that. And Corey Lindsley. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but he's going to be the guy that controls the game for the most part. And if he goes down, the next guy up is not always going to be a good replacement. I mean, sometimes the Chargers got lucky with, like, Billy Volick. Some other teams get lucky. But for the most part, your season basically – is going to come to an end in like week five if you lose your quarterback for the season. Justin Herbert is the team's success. He's their new leader. He is the – you could probably say he's the face of the team probably between him and Bosa right now. If you lose your leader, you're going to be dead. It's really just going to come down to what kind of protection does he have and is he going to take the big hit like he did last year when he knocked out the guy on the sideline <laughs> instead of going out of bounds. Stuff like that is going to really determine – whether he stays on the field or not. And to his credit, it did seem like he did a little bit, right? We didn't see him putting his body in that much jeopardy very many more times, except for maybe, you know, the two quarterback sneaks on the goal line against the Raiders. I was in. The game. Yeah, but besides that, I mean, yes, he has to limit the exposure, and it, that's why it's hard to fully get the most out of Justin Herbert and really flex his athleticism, right? Just because it's like every time you roll him out of the pocket or give it to him on a keeper or something, there's that chance for the big hit, and like we said, 
you don't win with backup quarterbacks historically. I mean, there's so many backup quarterbacks that get forced into action. I mean, the 49ers, you know, with them, Jimmy Garoppolo getting hurt, and obviously they did okay with some of those other guys. It doesn't even usually happen that well, right? It usually looks like the Bengals without Joe Burrow. It usually looks like, you know, every time that Aaron Rodgers has gotten hurt, the Packers have been trash for the most part. Like, it's so important. It's such an important position. The times that happened, you know, with the Drew Bledsoe going down, Tom Brady filling in for Tony Romer to go down, Dak Prescott to come in, those situations don't happen for the most part, right? So you can't really bank on it. And we think the next guy is probably Chase Daniel. And I think you kind of know what you have in Chase Daniel. But very, very important players to the Chargers, all of them. But I do think it brought up some really good conversation. That is going to wrap things up for today's show. Thank you again to Daniel Popper for always putting out really good content. And thank you to John Kegley for joining the show from Oklahoma. I mean, this is such a treat to have him on whenever we can. And he's just that much closer, you know, to being on more consistently than he has been, you know, over the last like three months. So we're all excited about that. Hope everyone had a good 4th of July weekend. Hopefully you enjoyed the show today. If you did, make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the new Odyssey app. That's the one I prefer. But Make sure you guys rate and review if you like the show as well so we can keep this thing going. We would really appreciate it. You can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports. You can also find David on Twitter at DroTalkSD. You can find John at Twitter at something like Biggest with 1G Chargers fan. You'll you know, you'll find it if you search it. But we always post the show to all of our pages every day so you can find the show there as well, including our show's account at LockedOnLAC and our Instagram page at LockedOnChargers and our Facebook page locked on chargers as well but that's going to do it for us today we'll be back with you guys more than likely on wednesday this week we're only a couple of weeks away until we're back five days a week july 19th we'll be back at it every day for you guys but we appreciate all the support we've gotten from you guys that is going to do it for us today we'll see you on wednesday until then take it easy and go bolts